0: This is Bethel Temple Church's podcast. Here at Bethel Temple, our desire is to see people changed, delivered, and set free as they experience the light of Jesus. From wherever you are listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Amen, come on, give God some praise. Hallelujah. You know, I'm just honored to be part of a ministry that supports missions. You know, we support missionaries, as Eric said, we have 17 missionaries that we support right now and we're thankful. We're looking, looking to expand and, and support even more. So continue to pray and ask God how you can be a part of our missions efforts, amen? Amen, amen. I just want to thank our pastoral team for uh, carrying on on last week while we were out Um, Pastor Ron and and Pastor Kayla and, of course, Pastor Jose brought a powerful word last week. A powerful word of encouragement. Because how many of you know that discouragement knocks on everybody's door? Even as Lori said earlier, discouragement has no respect to a person. It's going to come. You know, but one thing we do know is that God's got a plan. Aren't you glad that our God's got a plan? (laughs) I always get tickled when I think about God having a plan, I just think about that thinking emoji, and I say, you know, God's not up there, like the thinking emoji, trying to figure out what am I going to do. God already has a plan laid out. And Pastor Jose told us last week, not only does God have a plan, but he tells he's going to give us courage. He's going to give us courage to face our greatest fears by faith, by faith. So hopefully, hopefully last week that you got inspired, and even though you're going through some circumstances, your faith is being increased, and you know that God is going to give you the courage that you can walk through the circumstance and the situations that are before you. Amen? Amen. All right. So today we're going to pick back up in our Walk This Way series, and I'm excited about that. And I've been enjoying this series. I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying it. See, because I've been looking at my own walk. And I've been looking at how I'm living, how my lifestyle is. And, of course, we know that, that our walk refers to your lifestyle. It's not your gait. It's not how you're pimping and bopping, but it's how you're living. It's how you're representing God. And we know in the book of Ephesians, Paul, he, he gave us this code of conduct. So, you can't, you, can't, you can't walk this way any kind of old way. There's a code you got to follow. See, there's a way that God told us we have to walk individually as well as corporately. How many of you know that you can't act one way when you're out there, and then when you come in here, you act another way? I told you, on Sundays, everybody can be saved. Everybody can be holy and righteous when they come to church. But it's what you do when you go outside. That's what people are looking to see. You know, what's your real lifestyle? What is it that you're really doing? You know, do you really reflect? Christ in your life. It's important because those, and this is to the believers. This is not to the unbeliever. This is to the believers. Ephesians, Paul sent this, wrote this letter to the to the believers in Ephesus. He wasn't talking to the unbelievers. And he was letting them know, you know, you are masterpieces. How many of you realize that you are a masterpiece? See, when you came to Christ, He He created you. He made you this new creation. And He fashioned you in a way that no artist, nobody that you ever heard of who's created any kind of portrait, painting, sculpture can compare to what God has created us to be as the masterpieces that He made us. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad. But He not only created us as masterpieces, but he, He gave us a divine work to do. See, notice I said divine work to do. See, the divine work, that means it's something that God had already prepared for you to do. It's not something you're just conjuring up or something you're trying to figure out. But God already had a plan laid out. And all we have to do is just say, God, what's your plan? And then say, God, yes, I'll walk it out. Because once He gives us the plan, we have to live this thing out every day of our lives. And sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes it's going to be, you know, trouble. It's going to be, sometimes it's going to be obstacles in the way. But you can press on through because God already has made the plan out for you to walk through. Amen? Uh, Last time we were together, we focused on walking in truth. Remember, I told you, not our own truth. Because, see, our truth is birthed out of our heart. And we know the Scripture told us that our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. So, you know, our truth don't have no good stuff in it. But it says that we should, we should, our truth should be from the truth that's founded in Jesus Christ. How many you walking in that truth today? You're walking in the truth of Jesus, and not your own. And we learned that in order to walk in this truth, there's some stuff you got to do. See, you got, you got to take off some stuff. You got to take off some old dead stuff. You know, and then you got to renew your mind. You got to get your mind right. And then not only that, once you get your mind right, then you can put on some new clothes. And see, when you put on those new clothes, you know, took off the grave clothes, you're putting on your good clothes now, and now you're ready for God to use you now and to do something through your life. Now you understand what the truth is because now you're walking in it. And then I told you, you got to do something else after you do that. You're not finished. See, once you get dressed, you're not finished. You don't just dress one time, but you dress every day. And is the same thing for us in Christ. Every day, you just repeat it, you repeat it, you repeat it. You repeat it, and you repeat it again. You just keep doing it over and over and over and over and over again. Amen? Amen. And so today I want to move to, to, the, to the third and maybe the most challenging of the, the responsible things that we have to do, the responsible for us to walk in, that the way we're responsible to walk, excuse me, uh, uh, which is to walk in love. Now, Pastor Charles, why are you saying walking in love is the most challenging thing? I'm going to show you in a minute. Because it is a challenging thing. Now, we know there are many messages. You heard, I mean, it, I mean, people preach messages. You heard all types of, of sayings and, about love, that, that, that four-letter word, L-O-V-E, love. So much about it. We sing about it. We write about it. And we're always in pursuit of it. Everybody, we're always pursuing it. It's a constant thing, you know, to be loved and to love. But sometimes love seems like it's elusive. Sometimes you're like, I'm trying to catch up with love, but love can't just catch up with it. I can't get my hands on it. And other times we think we found it. You know, you think you found that, that knight in shining armor. You think you found that princess. And we oh, man, I'm on top of the world. I gotta found love. But however, feelings of love, feelings of love come and go. emotions of love change. They change. That's why you hear about people falling in and out of love all the time because it changes. But see, what we're talking about today, we're talking about walking in love. And and, and it takes love to an entirely different level. What I'm talking about, you know, what Paul is talking about here is, is walking in this thing. See, walking in love is a lifestyle. Yeah. It's not an emotion or a feeling. It's not based on any of those things, but it's a lifestyle. Amen. Amen. And that's what makes it so challenging, because see, we, we could, we could, we could, we could, you know, we could, we could grab hold to our emotions sometimes and our feelings, and we can, we can, you know, man, I, I can relate to my feelings. I know how. I, I saw this person. I saw that girl right there, and I started feeling some kind of way. I think it was love at first sight. So you can, you, 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 can, you can connect with that. But walking in love is a whole nother matter of life. See, it's not something we can do in our own strength. See, that's the thing. That's what makes it so much challenging because you can't do this. You can't walk in love in your own power. So you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody say, come on, Holy Spirit, help me walk in love. See, you need the Holy Spirit to help you to walk in love. And and, and, and so, I think that's what Paul is trying to get over to us. That's what he was trying to get over to those uh, believers in Ephesus, that that you got to walk this thing out. You got to walk this thing out. So, So, turn with me to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. We're going to see what Paul was talking about, about walking in love. Fifth chapter. And we're just going to be reading two verses out of that. Uh, verse 1 and verse 2. And it says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. You notice something about this text. It starts with the word, therefore. Therefore. And whenever you see that word, therefore, you know that you need to look back to something else that was said, because it connects. Before you can move forward, you got to understand what was before. And he says, therefore, so it points us back to chapter 4, and if you go back to chapter 4, you'll find that he was reminding the believers that they had been saved by grace. And because they were saved by grace, the way they walked and the way they talked, the way they think, everything about them now has become new in Christ Jesus. He was saying, look, you're no longer the same, and because you, you, you've been saved by grace and everything has changed, it should be reflected in the way you are walking, in the way that you're living your daily life. And, and so, but, but, but Paul didn't stop right there. He didn't just tell them, look, I want you to look back and remember that, that you were saved by grace and everything has changed. But no, he didn't stop there because he gave them this challenge. As we go into chapter 5, he gave him a challenge. He said, look, you've been made new in Christ, but now I want you to do this. This is what you have to do now. I want you to be an imitator of God. Like, oh, man, I didn't I, I know I signed up for all of that. I didn't know I signed up. I got saved, but I didn't know I signed up. And I, got, I got to look like God. I got to act like God. I got to talk like God and walk. Yes, you do. Because you're no longer the same. The old is gone. The new that has come, supposed to look like God. How you looking? How you looking? See, it's something about parents. How many parents in the house? You know, it's something about parents. Parents, you get so proud when you, when, when, when you get a compliment or your kid comes back and gives you, you know, somebody saw me and they said, I, I, I look and I act just like you. Now, hopefully they're doing good stuff when they say that. But they recognize and it, and it's, and it, Why? Because they're they imitation of us. See, it's nothing like, you know, like, like a father. I'm talking about myself because I hear it all the time. My father's passed on, but all the time I hear somebody say, oh, you just like your mother. I can see people on the street say, I know you Dolores son. Why? Because there's so many mannerisms. There's so many things uh, that, that, that people can pick up and say, you act just like her. My sisters and brothers say the same thing. You just like mama. I don't, know if they, I don't know what they be mean about that when they say that, but they say that. And that's what Paul is saying here. See, the goal of the believer is to look like Christ. It's to be like God, and we should reflect that, and it should be observed in our walk. A few years ago, I, I, was, I was in my bathroom, and I was shaving, and I happened to look, and my grandson had come in, Christian, and he looking at me, he said, Papi, what you doing? I said, I'm shaving. i put that picture up there. I- I'm shaving. <laughs> and so he said, well, I want to shave. I said, why you want to shave? Because you shaving. I said, okay. So I got some shaving cream and I put it in my hand. I, I put it in his hand. I said, okay, rub it on your face, rub it on his face. And of course, I couldn't give him no real reason because the boy ain't have a look of hair on his face. He still don't. So, I had to go get a little, 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 one of his little toys, a little plastic toy, and every time he came to the house, he was going to shave. Anytime I was in that bathroom and I started shaving, that boy was going to shave, and if I shaved and he was there without letting him shave, he was going to be upset. But that's how we're supposed to be. See, he, why was he doing that? Because he saw something that I was doing, and he wanted to imitate me. He wanted to be like me. He wanted to do it because I was doing it. That's how we're supposed to be about our God that we serve. See, we don't, we're not just walking around saying that we are part of the body of Christ. No, we see God and we see his ways and we want to be like him. See, see, see in our text, the word imitate comes from a Greek word. That's, it, it, the Greek word is this, mimetes. And it simply means to mimic. Matter of fact, it's the, that's the, the word that the English word mimic comes from. And so, mimic is to mimic or to be a follower of something. And the Scripture says that we are following who? God. We're to be imitators of God. We're supposed to mimic God. We're supposed to be followers of Him. We're supposed to be like Him. Ephesians 2 and 6, it says, as dear children of the Father, we have been raised up with Christ as sons and daughters. How many of you know that, that that when you came to him, you got up out of your dead grave of sin? Then you've been raised with Christ. He didn't put you, he didn't raise you up and say you're gonna be, you know, you're gonna be a stepchild. No, it says we've been raised up as sons and daughters, not stepchildren. And because we are sons and daughters, guess what? We're supposed to be acting like the father. We're supposed to act just like Him. We're supposed to mimic Him. We're supposed to be imitators of Him. We're supposed to be followers of Him. And people are supposed to see us and say, oh, I know who your daddy is. I I know who your father is. Your father, your father is the Lord, the God Almighty. Because I know because of the way you carry yourself. I know because of the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you act. I know you. See, the Scriptures, see, they identify attributes of God. See, they let us know who God is. See, people, the world knows who God is. They know when you say, I'm a believer, I'm a disciple of Christ, they know of some things that, 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 that should be seen in you. There's some attributes, some characteristics that 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 should be, uh, 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 you should be walking in, and people should be able to see those things when they see you. And so there are many of them, but today I'm going to focus on two real quickly, and I'm going to focus on two, and this is going to be the attribute of love because that's one of our focuses, and the attribute of holiness, love. And holiness. Now, one of the first things that Paul emphasizes after he told us about being imitators of God, he told us that we got to walk in love. Now, think about it. He He told you all the things about grace being saved and you being transformed and becoming new, taking off the old and putting on the brand new man. Then he told you to be an imitator of God. And right behind that, he said, that no, you got to walk in love. What is he doing? He was like, you know, that's who God is. That's who you're supposed to be imitating. That's how you're supposed to be walking. You're supposed to be walking in love, not feeling love as an emotion, but walking in it. And there's a difference. And see, Paul, I, I like the way Paul did it because Paul cut right to the chase in this instruction. You see, he didn't waste no time. He said, be imitators, walk in love. He didn't give you time to think about it. He didn't give you no verses in between, no words in between. He said, imitate, be like God, walk in love. <laughs> see, 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 I believe that's the reason why, you know, I believe he cut to the chase like that because love is so important. We got to get this love thing right. Uh, 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 we got to get it right. That's why he didn't waste time with it. Because he said, it's so important that we have to do that. Listen, love is the reason why we do what we do. It's supposed to be why we do what we do. See, think about it. We're supposed to love because we've been loved. We're supposed to do this because God loved us first. And we're supposed to now show that same love to other people. Do you know the greatest commandments that God gave involved the word love? He told you to love him and to love each other. Greatest commandments. Love is the reason why Jesus did what he did. Trust me, if Jesus didn't love us, if he didn't love the Father, he wouldn't have went to no cross for you or for me. He would have said, man, let them them go to their own cross. But he said, no, I'm going to do this thing. Love is the reason. John 3.16, we all quote it all the time, but do you ever stop to really think about what you're saying? It says, for God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him won't perish but have everlasting life. He didn't just say, I'm just going to save you. He said, but you're going to have life, eternal life. But where did it stem from? It stemmed from His love. Even when we fail, God still loved us. Even when we turn our backs on him, God still loves us. Even when we, 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 we God, God treats us so nice and he, he takes care of us and we act like we don't have no love for him, he still loves us. See, we got to get this love thing right. Say, oh God, help me get it right. Come on, say it again. God, help me get it right. See, why do you have to get it right? Because until you get this love thing right, you're not going to be able to walk worthy of your calling. You see, we just talked about walking worthy of your calling, but if you're not walking in love, you can't walk worthy of your calling. Because God didn't call you to anything that doesn't involve loving somebody. See, you got to love that sinner out there. You got to love that person that's not like you. You got to love those who mistreat you. You got to love your enemies. So you can't get around love. If you're trying to walk this thing out and duck love, <laughs> you're going to find yourself on, a, on the wrong road. Dead end. Straight. Now, the Bible contains four Greek words that, that talk about love. And, and, and I'm going to go through them real quick. This is just a refresher because I'm really just trying to get to the main one. The first one is storge love. Let's talk about family love. That's like, you know, your mothers, your brothers, your fathers, your sisters, and, you know, that's your love in your family. You know, that, that's that, 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 old, uh, that, that family love. Then there's Baleo love. That's brotherly love. That's the type of love now. All of us, you better have, well, you should have Storje love. We need to have all of them working. Baleo love, that's your brotherly love. That's loving those that, that, that are not part of your biological family, but they're part of your spiritual family, you're just loving humankind. you loving people. See, so you can't be a disciple of Christ and don't like people. I'm just a hermit. I don't like to be around people. I don't like to, inter- I don't like to interact. No, you got to love people. You got to love people. Then there's Eros love, Now I ain't going to mess with that one too long, but that's the romantic love. I'm going to leave that one alone. But that's a love, eros, love. But the love that we are supposed to have as believers that that Paul is calling us to walk in is the agape love. It's the God kind of love. See, 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 agape love is what? It's selfless. See, agape love is not based on you. It's sacrificial. That means you're considering others above yourself. It, 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 it's, 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 it's unconditional, which means that it doesn't matter whether you treated me right that's going to determine whether I'm going to treat you right, or whether you think like I think or talk like I talk or believe like I believe whether I'm going to treat you a certain way. No, that love, the agape love, you know, tears down all those barriers to show that I care and love you. That's agape love. See, agape love defines God immeasurable. I mean, you know, God's love for us is immeasurable. His love is incomparable, sometimes it's beyond our comprehension. And that's the same type of love that we are supposed to be imitating as we deal with mankind. That same kind of love, not, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, or if you treat me nice, I'll treat you nice. No. I'm going to love you anyway. Aren't you glad that God didn't treat us that way? Aren't you glad that God didn't say, I'm going to love you only because you love me? Because I think we all were born into sin, so coming in, none of us was connected with God in that way, which means that we all would be lost. But because of his love, his love says, I want to, I want to, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to give you the opportunity to come out of your darkness into the marvelous light that my son can shine into your life and that we can come back together and we can be one as we, as I all had planned to do from the very beginning. Whew. God's love. But the thing about it is this. Agape love, you can't manufacture. See, agape love is the God kind of love. You notice the other loves are things you can do. You know, storage love. You can love your parents, your brothers, and your sisters. You know, eros, phileo. But agape love, you can't do unless you have God's Love reigning inside of you. And where is that going to come from? The Holy Spirit. See, the only way you're going to have His love, His love got to be in you through His Spirit. Amen. See, you need His Holy Spirit in order to walk this thing out. And so, 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 one of the things we need to be doing is say, God, increase your spirit in my life so that I can walk this thing out the way you need me and you're calling me to walk it out. We can't walk it out with, with no spirit And we can't walk it out with low spirit, but we need God's spirit reigning in us in a mighty way so that we can walk it out. Now, now, now to help you to really understand agape love, you know, I'm going to give you a few illustrations from from, from the love chapter. You know, there's a love chapter in the Bible, right? Y'all do realize that, right? For those of you who don't know, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's called the love chapter. So, if you don't know about the love chapter, you need to read that. And I encourage every one of you who's never read it to make sure you read it. Don't wait. Matter of fact, when you leave church, don't read it right now. When you leave church, I want you to go home and read chapter 13, 1 Corinthians. Read the whole thing. Ain't but 13 verses. Read it. But this is what happens when agape love is in your life. This is what happens. See, you can be caring for somebody that, that's real mean and nasty and just, just difficult to handle, but, but the fruit of love is going to cause you to be patient and kind. Not, 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 you're not going to respond to them the same way and say, Oh, George, get over there and shut up and stop making that. you getting on my nerves. Sometimes that stuff rises up in you. I know it do because it rises up in me sometimes. And I got to say, Oh, Get it back. See, you you could have been passed over for that promotion on your job, but the fruit of love won't let you get envious because you know God's got you. You're not going to get envious of the one who seemed to have gotten advanced over you because you're in God's hand. See, see, see. You you, you can be successful and well-respected by your peers, but but, but the fruit of love is not going to let you get boastful and let you get all arrogant and get all big-headed because it's going to keep you level. It's going to keep you humble. That's what the fruit of love does. Look, you can go to the restaurant. I had it happen to me. And you get in, you get seated. Somebody comes in after you. They get seated. They get fed. They get treated. They get drinks. They get food. And you still sitting there twiddling your thumbs. But the fruit of love is not going to let you get rude. It's not going to let you get irritable. It's not going to let you act unseemly because you know, oh, no, I got the fruit. That got the fruit of love inside, and and it's what's controlling my actions. See, this is an action thing. You can even have a spouse that vowed to love you till the end. I'm going to be with you until death do us part. But somewhere along the line, things change. But the fruit of love is going to cause you to keep no record of wrong. Why? Because the fruit of love says that's what we're not supposed to do. We're supposed to love anyway. Sure, it's painful and it hurts. But no, I'm not going to keep a record. What if God kept a record of our wrongs? See, we got to be like God. That's why we're going to mimic Him. We're going to be imitators of God. And I know that when we come to Him, He tells us that He washes us clean. He removes our sin and our iniquity from us, and we don't have to walk around with it following us around, saying that I'm your sin walking behind you, and I want to always keep reminding you, and somebody else is going to always remind you. No, God says as far as the east is from the west. That's how far He removes that stuff from you. But we got to be imitators of God. How is it possible? How can we do this? Pastor Charles, that's challenging. It's difficult. You know why? We you know how we can do it? Because agape love, look, look, agape love believes all things. See, it believes all things. What else? It hopes all things. What else? It endures all things. That's agape love. <sighs> and because it's empowered by the Holy Spirit, guess what else? Agape love will never fail you. It's going to always be as powerful today as it was yesterday and the day before and the days to come. It's going to still be the same. See, I told you, remember, I told you, feelings and emotions, they come and go. It depends on how you're feeling today. Did you get a good meal last night? See, see, but but, but feelings and emotions are unstable. We can't trust in those things. But a god love that's empowered by the Holy Spirit, oh yeah, you can trust in that. You can take that to the bank and know that you're going to get cash money because you know that God's word says that that's what the love is. It's going to last. Not till the week ends, not for well, the month, not even for the year, but for an eternity of time that cannot even be defined. <sighs> if you get to the end of that chapter, 13, See, it talks about a couple of other attributes of God. Because when it gets to the end, it talks about these three. It talks about faith and hope. See, those are attributes of God. But you know what it says? It says, uh, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest, the greatest attribute of God is his love. Don't you know that if God did not love us, we wouldn't even be here today? We wouldn't be able to stand here freely. We wouldn't be here today to lift our hands and give Him glory. We wouldn't know that we have a home that's already set aside for us that we can go to when this life ends. That's going to be a home where there's no pain, no sickness, no disease. It's just a time of worship and praise where streets of pain would go and mansions and crowns, and that's, that's what it means. See, love is God's greatest attribute. And if it's God's greatest attribute, and we're supposed to be imitators of God, we're supposed to mimic Him, then guess what? Love's supposed to be our greatest attribute. It's supposed to be ours as well. <sighs> See, God loved us so much that He sent His Son. Look, He, he came to, 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 for the ultimate of sacrifices. He did it out of love. Nobody forced him. Nobody took it from him. But he did it because of the love of the Father, and the Father sent him because of his love for us. I think sometimes we don't realize how much we are loved by God. When God created man, he looked at man, he said, Ooh, man, this is a great creation. I made him in my image. See, there's nobody else and nothing else. There's no tree, there's no rock. There's no grass, no fish, no bird that can testify that they were made in the image of God. It's only man. They let you know how much He loves us, and even when we fail, God said, no, I'm not going to let them go down that road like that. Oh no, it's not going to be like that. Yeah, they made a mistake. and I'm sure that hurt God, but he already knew what was going to happen. That's why before this world was founded, performed, or anything, God already had a plan. See, my prized possession is going to fail me, but I got a way to bring him back into the right relationship with me. I'm going to send my son to go down there and and, and be incarnate and walk among them and show him the way, and then he's going to give his life, freely give his life, so that the relationship can be restored. (sighs) See, my wife talked about it today. I talked about it Wednesday. See, see, God, the Scripture says that Jesus... Jesus took joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I ain't never been nailed to no cross. But I've experienced some pains. I'm talking about to my physical body where I hurt myself. And that's not a hurt that I experienced. I said, well, I take joy in that. But Jesus took joy in, in, in enduring the cross. Why? Because he knew that by him going to the cross, he was bringing us to him, and he was bringing us about a darkness which sin thought he had won. The devil thought he had won, but no, he's defeated. Aren't you glad for that today? Hallelujah. Come on, say, God, help my love. Look, say, God, help my love life. And I ain't talking about the one at home. Come on, say it again. God help my love life. <sighs> see, out of Christ's demonstration of love, that's what we're supposed to reflect. See, when people see us, they're supposed to see that same reflection. You know, when he looked out there and he saw sinners, he was moved with compassion. Oh, man, they're out there. They're they out there like a ship without a sail. And, and they're out there lost. And I, I need to get them. And just like Eric was saying, see, see, it's time for for the the laborers. It's it's time for us to stand up and for us to have the same compassion for the lost, for the sick, for the hopeless, for those that don't have what we have or don't live the way we live. We We should be saddened in our heart. We should be burdened sometimes because, God, how can I help in that circumstance? And yes, our prayers are good. But sometimes you can do something physical. It's just like yesterday where we had this outreach outside, where we had bags of food and we had hot meals and we had clothes and haircuts and all types of things to give out to people. They didn't have to pay for anything. All they had to do was show up so we can be a blessing to them. That wasn't a checklist. That was a ministry because that's what God called us to do. Let me hurry up. Let me hurry up. Because I told you it was two. First is love. Second is holiness. Oh, well, that's a tough one, too. See, see, holiness is who we're supposed to be. Why? Because we're supposed to be like God. A way of holiness uh, should guide our character and our conduct. Everything you do, everything you say should be guided by holiness. Look at what it says in 1 Peter 1 15, 16. It says, But just as he who called you is holy, you know, God called you, right? And it says he's holy. So be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy for I am holy. That's just being an imitator of him. It can't get no plainer than that. See, we are called to be holy. We're called to be imitators of Christ. In Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. It says this, it says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to do what? To be holy and blameless in his sight. He didn't just choose us to come and sit down in church. He chose us to be holy and blameless. He chose us to be like him. Remember from the very beginning, he said, I created him in my image. God didn't throw that away because sin came. No, there's another way we can still walk in that light. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, not not as aliens, not as stepchildren, but as sons and daughters, and in accordance with His pleasure and will. He took joy in allowing us to become sons and daughters. See, see, you understand that that, that it's by grace you've been saved, and 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 and. and, and and, and we have to yield to the standard of grace in our life. And as we begin to yield to that standard of grace, we can begin to walk in it. Holiness. We can begin to let it take hold and let it just seep down and let it shape and form us and allow us to want to be that way only. It's who we're destined to be. It's who God desires for us to be. He said it in his word, be holy. Because I'm holy. Holy. It's in our DNA. I told you a long time ago, enough of y'all remember that that we have a holy DNA. It's divine nature and attributes that come from the God our Father. That's what our DNA is. See, it's not just the DNA that you have that came from your mother and your father, but we got, we got, we got a holy DNA that we are supposed to be walking by. We got a, a holy genetic code that we that has shaped and formed us when we became brand new in God because the Bible says that the old was gone. So when your new man was created, it wasn't created based on your old DNA. It was based on a new DNA that was holy DNA, a righteous DNA, a one that came from God the Father. <sighs> See, grace not only gives us forgiveness of sins, but it teaches us to say no to sin. Yeah. Wow. See, see, it just don't save you, but it helps you say no to the old way. Because believe me, your old stuff is always trying to creep back up. It's always trying to get hold on you again. But every time it gets hold, knock it off and say, no, nah, no way. I'm brand new. And no sense since you trying to come back up in here. But you got to do that. It's an active thing. See, God changes your old nature to your new nature. But that don't mean that your old nature ain't trying to run you down, not trying to catch back up with you. It's always trying. That's why Paul, that's why Paul said in Galatians 2 and 20, he said, I've been crucified with Christ. He said, so it's no longer me that's living, but it's the Christ That's living inside of me. What was he saying? Oh, oh, I laid down my old dead stuff. I was crucified with him. You see, when he was crucified, when he got up, he got up with all power. He got up in holiness. He got up in righteousness. So, when we get up, guess what? It's no longer me. But now it's Christ living in me. And guess what? Christ don't have no sin in him. Christ don't have no darkness in him. So, if Christ is living in me, the only thing people are going to see is the light. Only thing they're going to see is holiness and righteousness. See, 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 let me, let me give you another example. See, see, this is what happens when grace comes. Y'all, you remember, you remember Saul, the persecutor of the church? He took joy in persecuting the Christians. But see, when grace smacked him upside his head and he fell off that horse and he began to see a new way, guess what? He, he, he became Paul the apostle. He was no longer the persecutor, but now he was the one who was going to go and write almost a third of the New Testament because of his new way. Remember, old Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He was the one robbing people. He was able. I can swindle them. I can take more than they're supposed to give. But when when, when grace hit him, when grace changed him, guess what? He became the most generous man. I want to give it back to him. I want to give it double back to him because that's who I am now. I'm the new creation. See, one day there was this old nasty, foul guy named Charles Ricks, and he was out there living all kind of foul ways. And when he grace hit his life, his life changed. And that's why he's standing on the stage today, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. And you can put your own name in that situation. You can put your own self in there, and search yourself, because one time you were, and now you are, but you're no longer what you were. I like this. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Team, you can come on back on the stage. It is a quote. I ran across, I love this quote by Max Lucado. He said, grace is the voice that calls us to change and then gives us the power to pull it off. See, grace didn't just call us, but grace empowered us to be able to walk this thing out. See, when grace truly impacts your life, you can't help but change. Come on, get on your feet, I'm done. You can't help but change. It's easy for you to love the God kind of way. It's easy for you to walk in holiness and to be an imitator of him when you allow grace to have its place, when you allow it to do exactly what God sent it to do in your life, which is to bring about change, to make you brand new. That's how you can walk this way. That's the only way you're going to walk this way. And the only way you're going to walk in the God kind of love is you have to be an imitator of the God of love. Bow your heads. Father, we just thank you, God, today. We thank you for your love. God, that's beyond our comprehension. God, that love that we don't even deserve. A love that's unconditional, a love that's not based on an exchange, but a love that you sent our way. A love, God, that, that, that no man can explain how selfless, how sacrificial it is. But God, you told us in your word that we are supposed to be imitators of you. So we need to have that same love, God, reigning in us. We need to have that same love, God, being seen in us. We're supposed to be walking in that same love that people see the love of Christ, the love of God, that we have been imitators of our Father who gave us this love. So, I pray today, God, for your people those that are here in this sanctuary and those, God, that are joining by way of live stream today, God, if there's any any way in their life, God, Lord, where the love, God, is not, oh God, an imitation of you, God, that you would just bring it to them, God. Allow them to see it. God, shine a mirror, put a mirror right, God, in their face and let it pour right into them, God, and begin to reveal, God, things that they may need to do so they can walk in your love as an imitator of you. And so God, we thank you for that today. And, and God, there's some today, God, who don't know you. So we know they're not walking in your love. Because the only way they can walk in this love, God, is through your spirit. And that means they have to be connected to you to have that spirit working in their lives. And so if you're here today, if you're in this sanctuary today, I want everybody to keep their head bowed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to step out of the darkness into the marvelous light so that you can be an imitator of God. And if that's you, I want you to just to raise your hand here in this sanctuary. And if you're online today and that's you, there's a link you can click on to say, Pastor Charles, that's me. I'm in darkness, but I want to come into the light. I want to experience the fullness of God. I want to be able to walk his ways and not in my own ways. If that's you today, raise your hand. Raise your hand in the house today. Hallelujah. I see a hand back here. Hallelujah. Is there another? Is there another? Come on, raise your hand if that's you. I see another hand back here. If you're online today, I need you to do the same thing. Let us know. But those of you who raise your hand, I need you to do something. And it's not to embarrass you, but it's for us to come together. But I'm going to invite you down here to the front. And we're just going to say a simple prayer together. And your life's going to be changed. It's going to be different. So if you would just make your way down, if you just come on down. Don't be afraid. Everybody's coming. Everybody's not. Yeah, you know, I know sometimes people, so many people they're looking at me, but they're going to be clapping for you because they're excited about the decision that you've made. They're glad that you're coming out of darkness into God's marvelous light today. Amen. You come right here. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The greatest decision the greatest decision that you can ever make in this life. is not your career, it's not your spouse, it's not where you're gonna live, it's not how much money you're gonna make, but it's accepting Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Why? Because God said this, if you accept him and seek him all the other stuff he's gonna give to you anyway so don't spend a lifetime wasting time trying to achieve life and miss out on the kingdom hallelujah hallelujah And those of you that are out there that know the way you should be praying now you should be like oh God we thank you for these and there's a simple thing we're gonna do we're just gonna we're gonna repeat a simple prayer because that's all it takes we don't have to go to the cross But all we have to do is confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is the Lord. And if we do that, he said we can be saved. And so right now, if you close your eyes, and I just want you to repeat this prayer. Now, you got to repeat this prayer yourself. And everybody else is going to join in so you won't feel like you're by yourself. But you're doing it for yourself. Dear Jesus, I stand before you today, a sinner in need of a Savior, and I'm confessing with my mouth that you are my Savior, and I'm believing in my heart that you can make me brand new. Forgive me today of all my sins, and make me the new creation you said I can be. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord for saving me. Come on, it's just that simple. Come on, y'all, give God some praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. To connect with us, visit us at Bethelhampton.com and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and be the light.